Conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Our judge and our defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness. Rose in glorious light, forever seated high. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that He will rise again, for I believe in the One more time.
Good morning. You guys brave the cold. Of course, Joe's promised 80 degrees by this afternoon, so we're good. That's good. Um, let's just uh, let's just spend some time, quiet our minds, kind of continue on in that worship environment and atmosphere, and uh, turn our hearts to God uh, together, corporately as one, and uh, seek His face this morning. Father, we are thankful that You're a God who delights in meeting with us. Lord, that You delight the praise of Your people. Father, we've lift these praises up to You this morning out of love out of adoration, out of praise for you. For you are the God, you are eternal, you are almighty. Father, you are sovereign. This morning we seek your face. We seek your direction, your guidance. Lord, we seek your affirmation, your conviction on our lives, Father, individually and as a church. Lord, that we would continue to to carry out the work that you have set before us. Father, to reconcile people to yourself. That that is your desire, your purpose, to draw all men, all women, all children unto you. So, Father, may we lift Jesus up this morning. Father, this morning we come to you with heavy hearts, with confused hearts. Uh, Father, many have suffered loss uh, over the last uh, few days. And uh, Lord, we just pray your comfort and your peace. We pray for the, uh, the situation in Burkina Faso and, and the, the lives that have been taken there for the missionary family that is, has lost a husband and a father. Father, for, for co-workers and, and fellow missionaries that have lost a friend and, and a leader. Lord, we pray for those situations all around the world and for the evil that exists. Father, that you would give us a, a holy response to the evil that is around us. Lord, that we might shed hope. Father, as your church, as your children, we hold the secrets, we hold the truth, we hold the answers. Father, give us the courage, the boldness to share. Give us the courage and the boldness to to give those answers, to, to speak into the lives of people, to speak against the evil that is around us. Father, to share your truth. Lord, many in our body and beyond are are facing illness this time of year with colds and flus. Lord, we just pray your healing. And again, your comfort, your peace. Father, this morning I pray that you would open your word to us. That Lord, the, the warning that we will hear will resonate in our hearts and our minds that Lord, we would stay true to the call that you've placed upon us, to the truth that you have shared with us through your word. Father, that we might be a light, that we might be an encouragement to others. 
So Father, would your Holy Spirit come as we, as we have already sang and invited. Your Holy Spirit come and move among us, teaching us, warning us. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. We joke around about junior high sometimes. We've, we've talked about junior high ministry here and the senior high ministry here and how it's tough to find people who are willing to work with junior high kids. And uh, you kind of have to have a special call or a, or a crazy mind um, to be able to, to fit into that. But junior high is an incredible time of life. Uh, if you stop and think about it, that uh, for, for all of the ups and downs and the, the forward and backward and the upside down and, and uh, all of the, the craziness of, of being in junior high and, and or even being the parent of a junior higher, that it truly is a time of discovery. I mean, probably more things happen in those 12, 13, 14 year old, uh, that time frame, those 6th, 7th, 8th grades, somewhere in there, that it's, it's there that they start to discover who they really are and who they aren't. And that it's the part that, that makes it so hard because they're, they're trying to find out where they fit and, 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 and how they fit into the world and how their piece of the puzzle fits into the big picture. And, and, and there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of stepping in the wrong directions. Your discovery leads you to a new school. Really a new whole school system because instead of one classroom, one teacher, now you're experiencing several teachers, several classrooms, different types of classes than you've had before. You're discovering new friends. You're discovering new bodies. I mean, it's at that time that the body begins to change drastically. Boys get a new voice. Usually. New activities. Junior high was the first time that, that schools had sports teams. I mean, actual teams that, you know, you wore the uniform of your school. Uh, we always played sports growing up, but it was usually just in, in a big group or, you know, some sort of league. But this was the first time that you were representing a school and your friends. Now, loving sports, I decided to try some new ones that weren't available in elementary school when I entered junior high. And I can remember in seventh grade, it was the first time ever I went out for track. What I discovered in that is I do not like running. Now, I, how I did not know that before, but I did not know that. I do not like running. I wasn't fast. I, I had no stamina for long distance. And, and we, had, we had an option some practices, practices were not really fun for me, um, that where we could go on a, and it was a four or five mile run and kind of winded through the, the, uh, the neighborhood. And what it really got you was off campus and out of the sight of coaches. And so you didn't have to go through all the drills and all the practice while you were there on the track. You could opt out and say, I'm going to go run the, you know, I forget they had a name for it. We called it the snack run. I'll explain why in a second. 
and the coach would say, okay, good, and, you know, go. And they never had problems with me and some of my buddies going because <laughs> we weren't helping the track team anyway. So, yeah, go do what you want to do. And what we did is we, we, on this, as we ventured out in this group and we're running through the neighborhood and around, about halfway through was a friend of mine's house. And we just ran there. And then we sat down and we had a Coke and we had some snacks and, and we watched a little TV and then we got up and we took the shortcut back through the neighborhood to get back to the school. I had no events that I ran in track. I was not going to be a star. I never actually ran in an actual event or in an actual meet. My practices were running warm-ups and then raking the sand pit or setting up hurdles or doing the snack run. What are your junior high memories? What did you discover about yourself in those times? What new things, what good and bad? There, there was a lot to overcome in junior high. Trying to find where I belong, trying to find how I fit. And it was in those years that you really began to set the course for the rest of your life because of all the, all the ups and downs and the forwards and backwards and the good decisions, bad decisions it was the decisions you made in junior high that really set the course for the next several years there are probably decisions you made in junior high that you're still living out good or bad consequences from I always told my kids when they hit those early teen years I said the decisions you make now are going to affect the rest of your life. That there will be long-term consequences to what you decide to do or not do. What you decide to believe or not believe at this point will have long-term consequences. And that really does start in junior high when you start to make those lifelong decisions. I discovered I was an athlete, yes, but I was not a runner. Now the Apostle Paul, on the other hand, may very well have been a runner. He may have discovered that he was good at track, he was, uh, that he may have even been a track and field star. Because Paul uses track, specifically running, in, in three or four different letters. He's always referring back to this idea of running a race. I'm sure on his trips around the region, he shared the, those glory day stories. He tells the Corinthians that all the runners run, but only one gets the prize, and run in such a way as to get the prize. You see, Corinth was the home to the Isthmian Games. These were kind of like Olympic Games where all the, and it was track and field, and they would all come and they would run, and they would compete for their area, for their city, for their region. And, and Paul referred a lot to them. In, in, uh, in the Philippians, he says to remain strong in their faith that he might boast in heaven that he had not run or labored in vain. And he tells Timothy, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Track and field, running in a race is one of Paul's favorite metaphors for the, different, for the, for the effort that is required to live out the Christian faith. To live out the Christian life. The idea of running a race, of, of enduring, of, of the endurance and of the training that needs to go into it. And so in Galatians chapter 5, where we find ourselves today, he alludes to this idea of a race again. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in verse, actually in verse 5. 
portion that we looked at last week. And Paul really is, is giving us a warning here. A warning of how we run. Of where we run. Of who we are running along beside. Of who we are following after. And he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 5, But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. We eagerly await. Now this doesn't mean that we sit and we wait and that we do nothing. It doesn't mean that we go on this snack run because we know that at some point we can just sit down and do nothing. Do what we're not really supposed to be doing, that we can, can kind of take it easy. That's not what eagerly await means. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, we said last week that it is love that motivates us. Love needs to motivate us to these actions, to what it is that we're doing, what it is we're about. That if we're, we're motivated to love God, then we are growing in our, in our relationship with Him. We're, we're stewarding our lives. If we're growing in, in loving people... Then if, if, that's, if we're motivated to love people, then we're, we're living out the fruit of the Spirit. We're serving one another through our gifts. And we're telling our stories. We're, we're telling people who Jesus is. And he says, so the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord, that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? And in that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Paul says you, you were track stars. You were running a good race. That, that, the, that what we had laid down, the truth that we had shared for you, you were picking up, you were obeying it. You were motivated by love. You were living out your faith. You were running a good race. Now, most new believers start out great. When a person comes to the Lord, they, they have this new faith, they have this new understanding, this new finding of truth, this new relationship with God, and they are excited, they are energetic, they are going 100 miles an hour, and they are, are learning all that they can, they're like sponges, and they're taking it all in, and they're reading the Bible every day, because it's exciting and it's new. And, but it seems like somewhere along the line, that while they're fast out of the blocks, fast off the starting line, they eventually run into trouble, that the troubles of this life begin to, to overcome them. And the reality that that struggle is real hits and they, they lose some of their stamina. They're sometimes becoming frustrated and, and, and that's normal. But if you are in one of those times where it seems like you are running uphill and you don't have any breath left, hang in there. Stay in those spiritual disciplines. Stay in that, that, that reading of the Word. Staying in the Word. Staying into prayer. Continue loving God. Continue growing in intimacy. Continue loving people. Because let me tell you, in the midst of those hardships, in the midst of that uphill struggle, that uphill climb where, where everything seems hard, it's easy to just give up. It's easy to just step off the track completely. It's easy to just kind of, nah, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. 
Because loving God and loving people is a choice. And honestly, sometimes it's a hard choice. And Paul says, you were, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? What, what, what has stopped you? What has halted you? What has come up against you that you, you find it now so hard to, to go on? Like I told my kids in those junior high years, the choices you make now are going to affect the rest of your life. The desire to push on or the desire to give up. The desire to slow down or the desire to dig in deeper. Because it's hard, I'm going to dig in. Not because it's hard, I'm going to give up. That's going to set the course for the rest of your life in a lot of different areas. Because choosing to love God and love people or choosing not to is going to bring consequences to your life. Faith expressing itself in love is what Paul says really matters. What if we choose not to love? What if we choose not to go on? What if we choose to to kind of give up? What consequences are we going to face? Paul says there are at least three. And he warns them very much. He said, if you're running the race, you've got to keep running. And here's what he says. He says, because if you don't, if if you stop running, if you allow the obstacles to come in, then you're going to impede your growth. Your relationship with God is going to suffer. He says, who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Cut in on you is Paul's track and field reference. Now, sprinters today, when you sprint, you have to stay in your lane. Okay? Everyone's given a lane, and for the sprints, they have to stay in their lane. And even in the long distance one, they have to stay in their lane for a certain amount of time before they can cut over. And usually by that time, they've kind of spread themselves out already. But in Paul's day, that wasn't the case. In Paul's day, it was, here's the starting line. There's a a post down there or a tree down there and everyone's going to run down to the tree and back. And there wasn't a nice, easy track that everyone just followed and stayed in their lane. So it was easy, throw a little elbow, cut in on someone, trip someone. There weren't a lot of rules. And so it was easy to be distracted. It was easy to be defeated in that. It was easy to to overcome. And so this, this idea of who cut in on you, it's literally, who set up an obstacle? Who broke up the road? Who made it uneven? Who made it difficult and tough for you? To me, one of the most exciting track events are the hurdles. The 100 meter hurdle or the 300 meter hurdle where these, these guys are sprinting as fast as they can and yet there's obstacles in front of them that they have to overcome. And if you watch them, you'll see that without breaking stride... Now, I tried the hurdles in seventh grade. It didn't go so well. I didn't have what it takes to get over the hurdle. But to watch these guys and to watch them train and and see that, you know, it's like three steps and over, three steps and over, three steps and over, and they never break stride. They get into that flow. They get in right out of the starting block, and they get into their stride, and it's just like they are gliding over. And then they do the high hurdles... I don't even know how they get it. I'd have to like stop, climb over that. And they're just never breaking stride and getting over that. And, and so when, when we are faced with life, we have obstacles in our way. And it is our ability to get over them, to get around them, to, 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 to not be uh, deterred by them. Paul says, who's cut in on you? And this was not really a question 
that he was seeking an answer to. He knew who it was. It was a warning. It was a warning that in their case it was false teachers, that those, those people who were preaching circumcision. Who's thrown this, this wrong thinking in front of you? Why have you bought into it? Why have you allowed the obstacle to stop you? Paul said one that, that the runners who run, they go into strict training. It enables them to get over the obstacle, and that's the warning. We need to be in strict training. We need to be in constantly learning the truth. Paul says you are running well. R.W. Stott says Christianity is not just believing well. It's not just right doctrine. And it's not just behaving well or being morally good. It is both. We must believe and obey the truth. We have to put actions behind what we're saying is true. But Paul says you did that. You had done that. You were running well. Now you're not on the right path. You've shifted. You've deviated from the truth. Remember Paul's warning a couple weeks ago? Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin... If someone is caught in a deviation from the truth, if someone is, is thinking wrongly, which will always lead to acting wrongly, the warning is that we must constantly be, be thinking what is the truth. What are what we thinking? Is what we're being presented, what, what is before us, is it, is it based in truth? Is this idea that has come to me Truth. The longer we run in the wrong direction, the longer we think wrongly, the farther we get away from God and the truth. The bigger the consequences, the harder it is to come back. So, as in junior high, the choices we make, what we choose to be right, what we choose to be wrong, the direction that we take is going to have consequences for a very long time. And so when we are presented with truth, Paul says, I, I gave you the truth. Who's cut in now and, and made you start disobeying the truth? Who's cut in? What obstacle? What have you believed that, that has gotten you off course? Colossians chapter 1, Paul says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. If you are grounded, Paul says, established and firm, grounded and immovable, and no one can cut in on you then those obstacles you're going to be able to take in stride. But what happens is we, we get lazy with being established and rooted and grounded in truth. We get lazy in the spiritual discipline of study, of reading, of understanding, of digging deep, of training, strict training, Paul says. And then we set ourselves up to get bumped. We set ourselves up to get to get deviated, to get bumped off the track for an obstacle to come in front of us that we can't handle. Paul says if we allow ourselves, if we don't go into that strict training, the warning is you will be bumped off course. And if you look at the world around us, there are how many sources of truth out there? 
I mean, the internet, all of the ideas that come through, all of the ideas that we get, the people that we talk to, there's, there, there's all kinds of different opinions on what is right and what is wrong. And Paul's heeding a warning here. He said, I've laid the truth before you. Don't let anyone come in and bump you off course. Don't let anyone come in and confuse you with the truth. Go into strict training. Go in and and, and dive into that truth. Know what God's Word is. Because not only will our personal growth suffer, but we're going to impede our relationships. Our relationships with other people are going to be hindered, are going to be hurt, if we're not rooted and grounded in the truth. Verse 8 says, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Who's cut in on you? Who's, who's gotten you to disobeying the truth? Because that kind of persuasion does not come from God, does not come from the one who called you. Paul uses of the, this word persuasion, calls in question the character of the one speaking. The character of the friend that we have, the character of, of where we're getting this information. Because that word persuasion, it, it means a, a treacherous or deceptive influence. That type of treachery, that type of deception does not come from God. That type of truth, that obstacle placed in front of you is not from God. Sometimes the, the obstacle is, is a person. Paul told the Corinthians, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses. Stop sinning. Careful who you listen to. Careful who you're relying on for truth. Again, it's, it's the Holy Spirit leading us into all truth. Getting into the Word. We can fall into the trap of following the wrong people. Looking up to the wrong people. Seeking advice in the wrong places. I have a, a good friend of mine that he's constantly in the Word. And is always learning, always digging, always challenging. Uh, anything that comes his way that he's not sure jives up. But I've noticed that he's fallen into the trap of he only follows one other person. On Facebook, when he posts a quote or he posts something, it comes from this one person. One person. And I'm like, you got to be careful. Because that one person is fallible. We're all humans. And we need to be well-rounded. We need to understand that not everyone is always going to be right all the time. And so when we seek truth, when we seek out a person, we've got to always take it back to Scripture. I say I have a lot of favorite authors. I don't agree with everything every one of them says. Because we're all fallible. And so when we get too close, when we put too much emphasis in what one person says, in one person's opinion, we begin following the person rather than following Christ, rather than following the Word. And we've got to be careful. If we find ourselves always being drawn back to one person, ask ourselves why. What, what, where, where would I be better well-rounded? What does Scripture say? Put ourselves back. Put in what they say. Put it through the filter of Scripture. If we're loving people, and people are loving us, 
we're living, if we're serving, if we're telling, then good things can happen. That I will grow, you will grow. If we are, if we are sharpening one another, if we're challenging one another in our thinking, if we're constantly being drawing one another back to Scripture. Paul's saying you've allowed someone to come in and take you away from Scripture. You've allowed wrong thinking to, to come in and, and change the way you viewed the truth as it was laid out before you, as you knew you were running a good race. Who's come in? What's happened that, that's kind of moved you off kilter? And we all get that from time to time. We all get in a, in a funk, is what I tend to call it. Where we're not thinking correctly, we're not acting correctly. Who, who's come in? What, what's happened? Because usually it's we've deviated from the truth in some area. We begin to believe a lie. God's calling us to live in the type of community that challenges one another's thinking. That this really is the basis for community. That, that, that not following some person, but, but all together seeking truth. And that when we deviate from that... We hinder all those other relationships. That we begin to seek out only those who agree with us. And anyone who disagrees with us, push them to the side. You know what? I need people in my life that don't agree with me. Because believe it or not, I might be wrong. I doubt it. But I might be. And so I need people that, that aren't just going to go, yes, 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 yes. I need people that challenge. You need people that challenge your thinking. You need people that will speak truth into your life when maybe you've deviated a little bit. You need people that are going to challenge your thinking, but maybe they're the ones that have deviated and you can come alongside them and pull them back. We need that challenge. But if we're not rooted and grounded... Paul says, if you're not obeying the truth, if you're not in the Word, then you are going to be easily bumped off course. You're going to be easily, easily challenged and, and led astray. If any of us are following a dangerous persuasion, a, a, a dangerous deception, if any of us are following that, then we all suffer. Paul told the Ephesians church, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You see, there's no room in there for wrong thinking. Because disobedience is going to impede these relationships. It's going to hinder all of our growth. It's going to erode the unity. When we allow wrong thinking to creep in, when we allow wrong thinking to, to, to set our course, we don't allow people to challenge, we don't allow them to, to bring us back to the Word, then unity falls apart. Then community is no more. Then we're not seeking after the Father, we're seeking after our own opinion. Who is influencing your thinking? Who, who is the voice in your head? Who is telling you what is right? 
what is wrong. What you should do or shouldn't do. When, when you have a question, who do you seek out? Because I hope somewhere in that line is either a person that directs you to Scripture or you yourself directs you to Scripture. You find yourself back in the Word. Paul says it's dangerous. Our relationships are going to hurt. Our growth, our moving forward, us in the race is going to be hindered if we're not faith shown itself in love. If we're not obeying the truth. If we're not back into the Word. If we're not challenging one another. As Paul said, here's the, here's the real danger. In verse 9 he says, A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. That, that if, if, if our growth in, in, in intimacy with Christ is hindered, if we're allowing other ideas to come in, and we're allowing other people who are wrong to speak into our life, then we're going to actually affect others, or infect others with wrong thinking. It says a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Now, yeast is, is in some translations it may say a little leaven. But yeast is, and I looked this up because I'm like, what exactly is yeast? I mean, I know it takes just a little bit. So if you get too much, if you get too little, you know, you've got flatbread. Uh, I know my mom used to bake bread, and she would, yeast was the biggest thing, getting the exact right amount in there. So I looked it up, and here's the scientific. Yeast is a single cell fungus. Now you want to go make a sandwich, don't you? A single cell fungus that aids in the fermentation process. For breads, it breaks down the sugars, working with the glutens and allows the, the dense dough to rise. Uh, it allows for, for various flavors in the bread. Uh, it, it actually allows for strengthening of the bread. That it doesn't crumble, it holds together. Yeast is a good thing in the right quantities in the right places. But throughout Scripture, it, it, it's usually meant as a bad thing, that a little yeast, a little bad, goes a long way. It will infect the entire batch. Otherwise, if you've got dough and you put just a little yeast, it will affect every aspect of that dough. It works its way through the whole body, through the whole loaf. And Paul's warning here is that if there is just a little wrong thinking it can work its way through the entire body it can work its way through the entire congregation and it can it can hinder all of our walks all of our running in the race that we all can 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 be thrown off course a little yeast works its way through the whole dough Almost always in Scripture, yeast is seen as a negative influence. It's the spreading of sin. And Paul's point is that, that wrong thinking will spread. That if we adopt bad thinking, we're going to be spreading the, the falsehood in, in all of the relationships that we have. Until the whole batch is ruined. I, I've seen this in churches. I've seen it where one wrong idea came up. 
one misunderstanding or misinterpretation of Scripture and, and, and kind of got off on this one thing and, and it began, you could just watch it permeate through all of the relationships with the person in which it started began to permeate through all of the relationships and reach all the way out until the church was so ineffective I've seen churches split I've seen churches die And Paul's warning here to the Galatians is, if you don't get this corrected, if you don't get yourself back on track, if you don't get yourself back into running the race, obeying the truth, faith that expresses itself in love, then the consequences are eternal and vital. And it's on every person's responsibility to root and ground themselves in truth. To know the truth, to live out the truth, to obey the truth. You see this lived out in in parenting. Okay, I've seen it as a youth pastor, I've watched parents' lives. And I've seen where they've deviated a little bit, or they've taken some, given a little slack in their own spiritual development. And their kids pick up on that. And their kids come in and they, they bring into youth group that wrong thinking. And, and as hard as a youth pastor tries, they never overcome what happens in the home. And then when their kids go off base, you know who the parents blame? The church. The youth pastor for not fixing their kid. For not teaching them right. When really it was because mom and dad deviated a little bit. And their kid just followed them right down that road. Now I say parenting, but it's also grandparenting. It's aunting and it's uncling as well. Because when we have young, impressionable minds that, that we, are, we are shaping, they're watching us. And that we have the responsibility then to run the race in such a way that those coming behind us have a clear path. Moms, dads, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, brother, sister maybe. If you deviate a little, there's someone running right behind you that's going to follow you right into the hole. I remember when we were bicycling and we would go for long, you know, 30, 40, 50 mile bike rides. And you would get in a line. And the person in the front was the most important person. Because they saw all the obstacles. And they would just simply call out what it was. And as they veered, you just veered behind the person in front of you. You weren't looking ahead. You were looking at the person right in front of you. And so when they yelled, whole left... And they veered to the right. You better veer to the right. And you just followed them. There was an occasional time where the first person in line wasn't paying close enough attention and they hit the hole. You know what happened? Every person behind them hit the hole. Because they didn't call out the danger. They didn't call out what was the obstacle in front of them. They just hit it. We've all got people behind us. Watching us. Following us. How we live our life is going to be uh, have a consequence in how they live theirs. Paul's warning is very clear. Go into strict training. Obey the truth. 
Don't let outside influence. Don't let someone bump you off course. Know the obstacle. See the obstacle. Work with one another to get through it, to get over it, to get around it, to remove it from anyone coming up behind us. The danger is when we accept the lie, when we accept the deviation, when we accept the dangerous persuasion as truth, when we, when we focus all of our thinking on the lie. We begin to live out the lie until the truth is not even anywhere present. We don't even recognize the truth anymore. Paul is issuing a, a very stern warning that we need to keep walking in the Spirit, that we need to remain faithful. He tells the Colossians, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. See to it. Okay? That's be intentional. That's be aware. That's, that's looking out. See to it that no one takes you captive. That no one bumps you off course with some hollow deceptive philosophy. Something that sounds good or something that really... You know, you, <laughs> some people just look for the, the answer they want. And they go around, they ask enough people until someone agrees with them and they go, Yep, that's the truth. I knew it was. That's hollow deceptive. That's not truth. That's looking for what our itching ears want to hear. Paul is warning against that here very plainly. He said, you're going to get bumped off course. Your growth is going to be impeded. Your relationships, you're going to, you're going to, the whole church is going to be filled with this wrong thinking if you're not careful. If you don't put an end to it. If you don't draw everything back to the truth. He warns Timothy, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. He says, remember, you who are spiritual should gently restore those that have been caught in a sin, those that have deviated. We need to bring each other back. We mean to be looking out for one another. Paul says that's community. That's, what the, that's how the church is supposed to operate. Those of you that are spiritual, those that have stayed on, those that have gone into strict training, you understand the truth. There's, there's, not, uh, there's no deviation from you. You need to look out for everyone else. Because there's going to be a time that you're the deviation. And someone's going to pull you in. Someone's going to correct your thinking. Paul said there's a danger out there. The danger is real. That there's a lot of bad thinking. There's a lot of wrong ideas. There's a lot of hollow and deceptive philosophies. Who cut in on you? Who, who, who moved you from the truth? Father, this morning... Our desire is to be rooted and grounded. Our de desire is to be firmly established. 
Father, that the voice in our head needs to be your Holy Spirit guiding us, leading us, teaching us. Father, I pray for for unity. For you to continue to establish unity here at MAC. That that we we are here for one another. That we're here challenging one another. That we're here pushing one another on to good works. On to good thinking. Father, that we would be known as a place of truth. A place where truth can be found. Where right thinking happens. Where right acting behavior happens. Father, lead us into your truth. Father, call us into your truth. Father, help us to to remain strong that we not deviate from it. Father, that by our lives they would see our good deeds. They would see how we live. That the rest of the world would see us and that they too would desire what we have found in you. Father, that we might change the evil that is in this world. That within our sphere of influence, within our where we interact day in and day out, the people that we come in contact with, Lord, that we might be a source of truth. That we might be a light that shines in the darkness. Father, that we would be used by you to reconcile people to yourself. Lord, send us into strict training. Challenge us. Unite us. Through your spirit we pray. Amen.
Peter. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. He's talking about Jesus. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone. And the stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people... But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Amen? Amen. Heed Paul's warning. Go deep into the truth. Stay the course. Help others run the race in such a way that we will all win the prize. Have a great week.